for our acts The sea can be deep for our diving Hope comes and stops us in our tracks Bravely we prove in our striving Trudging together each day Hello, everyone, and welcome to Raw Recovery. My name is Dion Miller. I'm your host, and this is a Trudging Together podcast. Uh, well, this is Friday's edition, and uh, I'm really excited today. Um, so our guest today is Amanda Marker from uh, Pain to Passion, and I've been following her the last few weeks. She doesn't know it, but I've been following her the last few weeks listening to her stuff. Because I'm always looking for speakers that I think are great fits for my audience. And um, and just kind of the way that Amanda describes things kind of makes you look at things a little differently. And that's what I really enjoyed about her speaking. So, Amanda, welcome to the show. Thank you for taking your time today. Yes, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here, man. Absolutely. So why don't you tell us a little bit about Pain to Passion? What's that about? Okay, it is, um, it's pain to purpose. <laughs> oh, pain to purpose, thank you. Thank That's you. okay. Um, I do have another um, thing called purpose to passion. So that's where the passion is. That's my listexia. It gets, a little, it gets a little confusing, but um, okay. So pain to purpose is a digital support center I run. Um, we do all of the recovery things online. Just wow. um, So we do recovery meetings and um, all of the stuff. So it's just like a peer support platform where um, I guess when I started it, I kind of realized that I couldn't answer people all the time. So I was yeah. like, why don't you guys all help each other? So, <laughs> so yeah. they all help each other and they yeah. all, it's really a cool thing. It's, it's turned out and, really well. And, uh, and it's all online, which I think is absolutely fantastic. So do you think, do you think with uh, things quote unquote, getting back to normal, cause I don't think we'll ever get back to normal. That's those days are gone. Right. Um, do you, do you think Zoom's going to stick around for, for meetings and things? I do. I don't see it really going away. Well, I mean, as far as, um, so like that is my comfort zone, right? Like I Mine know too. get out of your comfort zone and go places and do things, but um, now I have more of a reason to stay home because I don't want to get sick and yeah. <laughs> bring anything home to my kids. So um, I, I, I know that like the recovery world is always like, yeah, go to meetings, put yourself out there, do things, which I think is great. And some people can do that. And I think that everyone should try to do it. But sure. the online meetings, they're my thing. I dig them. I like them. I, I, I think that I want to keep them that way. Of course, I yeah. heard people um that's like the next step right like once you're done going to these meetings you can go to in-person meetings yeah if that's something that if that's something that you want to do i thought the way i see it is just another way for people to get this program because for for me um i don't have access to a vehicle um and i don't know i think you and i sitting down i think we're out of our comfort zone yeah. you know what i mean so we do still get out of our comfort zone it's just that we stay in our lane doing it. And I think that's more of what we're, of what we're talking about. That's, that is fantastic. How long has it been open? 
Um, so I guess I started um, last year. Um, okay. It was like November of so of twenty twenty. Twenty nineteen. Yeah. So before coronavirus. Right. It was like right before coronavirus hit, to where a lot of people in the recovery community were kind of like laughing at me and making fun of me. But I went uh, through this too. Yeah. Yeah, they do. But like then all of them, you know, COVID hit and they're like, he just had you <laughs> online meetings. <laughs> So when I was about a year sober, I had a, I had an anxiety attack in the store. My wife had to come find me. And so I was about two years sober and I found out that I had PTSD. Mm. So I decided what I was going to do is I was going to go online and make a peer to peer. That's exactly what you're talking about. And people were making fun of me. Oh, Dion, you're not going to be able to pull that off. You can't podcast. You can't educate that way. It's just not possible. And I didn't listen to them. And then coronavirus hit and you all entered my little world. Mm-hmm. And so from that point on, I thought it was, I, it was kind of like when I was in high school, I got my ear pierced when I was 15. Everybody made fun of me. And then next year, everybody had one. You know, so it it was kind of like that thing where you're not you're not the cool kid, you know, so good. Good for us. God had us on the right path. It really did. So um, you're in Pennsylvania. Did you grow right? Are you in Pennsylvania? I am. in Pennsylvania. Okay. And um, did you grow up there? No, I grew up in South Florida. Um, Okay. I moved here. I ran from my people, places and thing type of type yeah. of deal. So I think, I think we all try. I'd like to go back and kind of qualify why we do what we do and, and hear your story. So I'm going to be quiet for a little bit and kind of turn the show over to you. Um, so we can, we can uh, listen to your story a little bit. Okay. Awesome. Um, it's way less, you know, uh, in, intense than when it's live. So I like, okay. It. We recorded it's cool <laughs> um, so okay so i was born in south florida um i lived there my whole life um my mom ended up moving away when i was 15 14 turning 15 okay um, and i was dating somebody there and i just decided that i was going to stay there right um, okay I had like a weird upbringing. It was, it was different. I was not in the same school. I was bouncing around everywhere. Um, so when I stayed in Florida, it really wasn't like this weird, like new thing. So I ended up staying, um, experimenting with all kinds of drugs and doing all of the things. Um, I guess I should go a little bit further before that. So before my mom moved, um, I had, two overdoses. Um, I was 14. Um, I was in middle school at the time. I was taking my mom's medication to school and giving it to people and okay. taking them myself. And it was Xanax at one point. Ooh, I, okay. I overdosed. They took me out of my middle school um, on a stretcher and I got sent to an alternative learning center, which okay. was you know, it was called ALC and we called it assholes last chance. <laughs> like we had to be. Well, that's pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, I went to alternative school. So that, that was, there, it was a there, lot of fun. It was a bad idea, but a lot of fun. 
<laughs> it is a lot of fun. But um, yeah, so it wasn't long before I ended up the whole, um, I gave pills to somebody and the whole right. SWAT team came into the school. We were all had to like sit in our desks and Ooh. they brought in the dogs and all the classrooms. And yeah, it was like intense, right? Wow. Yeah. I had already taken all of my pills that I had, but a, a friend of mine who did not take hers, um, she ended up getting caught. Okay. And then of course told them it was me, all this stuff. By that sure. point I had swallowed a handful of Xanax and I was like 80 pounds, you know, yeah. little kid and got taken out on a stretcher again. Okay. Did now, you did you do that? Cause you were trying to hide them. I'm presuming this didn't have anything to do with you offing yourself this you know, you, know yeah. you were naive right and, and and you didn't know that yeah. that would happen wow. yeah well they the first time it, both times they took me um the first time they you know they bring you this cup of charcoal and they're treating you like oh, you're i know yeah <laughs> and they give you a yeah. straw and they're like drink this you know <laughs> yeah so yeah i had to do all that we, we know you're from that asshole school so <laughs> <laughs> yeah the uh it's south florida right that's where they treat you like yeah it's uh, yeah, there's a lot of drugs going through there so those guys are on high alert at all times if that happened in colorado it'd be a lot more lax right right it's yeah. completely different. but so yeah so then the year following um i was going to like uh I had moved away and gone to California to go to school because after uh, the Alternative Learning Center, I was expelled from all schools in Lee County, in my county. Okay. Um, so I got sent out west. Um, I was going to school in California and I didn't really do drugs there. I kind of like I started okay. this country. I started doing wow. well. I was living with my grandfather um, and it was really an awesome time as far as like I can look back at my childhood. It was like the best time in my childhood. So um, then of course I had to move back and it was like devastating. I had to leave yeah. friends and drama, 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 you know? Sure. Well, you were doing well. Right. So, you know? <laughs> yeah. But um, I came back to, uh, I went back to my mom's um, okay. and my aunt's husband had been at a party. He had been clean for a while. He was at a party and he got somebody shot him up with heroin and he oh, overdosed and died. And they took him to the hospital in the parking lot and just pushed him out of the car and didn't take him inside. So wow. um, my aunt was completely devastated and she had three small sons. Um, yeah. So I was kind of staying there with her, helping her okay. on and off with her boys. But in that process, you know, there was a lot of a lot of me learning about drugs yeah. and experimenting. And then there was, you know, an older man down the, the street who I kind of had a weird relationship with. And okay. just a lot of things that I was doing that were completely and totally um, unsafe. You know, teenage girl, but yeah. Yeah, it was rough. So um, you don't think that it's hurting you at the time, right? Like you yeah. don't think it's bothering you. You just think it's it's cool. Like this well, older guy. While I was going through it, you know, while I was going through the things I was as a teenager, I didn't think it was going to affect me as an adult. Yeah, you know, right. I was. I ended up being wrong, but yeah, yeah it it yeah. circles back back around, bites you in the ass, man. Quickly, quickly. So take care of it, people. Go see your doctor, please. <laughs> 
Yes. Um, yeah. So, so, now, so now that you have overdosed and your uncle died from it, what are your thoughts? Still, no. Okay. Yeah, it was still. It well, was you don't still, know any better. You haven't been, you know, you only right. know one side right now. So right. And it was hard for you to do. It was like a um, an invincibility. I always tell people I yeah. just never thought it would be me. I'm like, yeah. So, um, yeah. So I didn't bother with it. My mom ended up meeting a new man. She got into a relationship. They had a baby. My mom has bipolar and she suffered okay. with health issues my entire life. Um, she had a really rough childhood. Okay. Um, was sexually abused by a family member, a very close family member, um, and just never wanted to live. So oh, I didn't know it then. Yeah. <laughs> Having healed through all of the stuff and done all of my work and my, you know, soul searching, I've realized that I, you know, I was like adopting her mental health issues. I was adopting mm -hmm. all of her, her thoughts, her mindset, you sure. know, all of those things. They weren't yeah, and you may not be bipolar, but you're still it it. May, but it may look that way because That's we can it. act that way. I, I get where you're going. I was I was extreme. Like there was a point in my childhood where I was like pretending to have seizures in middle school because it was something my mom my mom had been switched to a new medication. She was having seizures. She was having. Well, you know, whatever. Um, I, when I was a child, I assumed it was all bullshit. Right. Like it was just. It was just like an, a naive way that my mind worked and okay. I realized they were actually problems. So like, this is something that I took on. I adopted this, right? Like okay. I made um, to a point to where I have suffered with mental health issues. Yep. were not mine. <laughs> I yeah. thought they were, <laughs> but they weren't, you know, so our, our brains are amazing. Isn't it crazy? Yeah. You can, you can, you get put in a situation long enough, you will be it. Well, it, it was like a, it was like a, so like the way that I, I went through, I worked a whole program to go through this specific thing. Okay. Uh, one day I woke up after I did the program and I literally had no mental health issues for the first time in my life. Literally. Wow. But it was because of this, right? Yeah. Like it's because I was able to identify and see when I was a child and the way that all of my mom's suffering affected me, mm -hmm. though it doesn't affect me badly anymore. When I was a child and didn't know how to cope, that was how I coped was yeah. trying to make it on myself and fix it. Right. Sure. Like, how can I fix it? How can I make it better for her? Um, but yeah, I did work through it. And I realized one day I don't have mental health issues. I, I feel very blessed because I was given a glimpse into it and now I yeah. have passion and I'm able to kind of see and know where people have been and what they've been through without having to kind of still need to heal from it. Right. Like, cause mm -hmm. it's, done. it's out of my life. It's just like that. It's done. Yeah. <laughs> like I figured it out and, and, and it's worked well. So, but yeah, in the, before that I had a stint, um, I had my first child when I was 15 years old. Um, okay. That was rough. I was just, just a little girl. I was, uh -huh. not, you know, anything other than getting a job and being able to feed my son. And, but there were no, like, you know, this is what we're doing. It was all okay. just really childish way to go through it. Um, and uh, so I went through his whole childhood, um, basically a drug addict. I was constant. I worked in a bar. Um, okay. 
late hours. So um, it was uh, just that life, you know, that that lifestyle that you get into when you're drinking and you're partying and you're doing cocaine because you were up drinking all night and you need to go to work and work a double shift. So cocaine is how you are able to get up and function and and still be happy and make money. Cause when you're a bartender, people don't want you to be all miserable. Yeah. They want you to be happy and partying part of the, yeah. yeah. And it wasn't me. Like I didn't have to be me. I didn't have to be the weird, awkward me. So Mm -hmm. I got really heavy into that stuff and okay. it, it just cascaded for years. And I worked late hours and I did all of that stuff for years. It was like a, like a functional type, very dysfunctional, but okay. like a functional type of addiction, you know, uh, a functional dysfunctional. Yeah. And it just carried on. I worked a lot of degrading jobs at the time, you know, I okay. was my very first job was at Hooters um, like that. And I thought it was so cool, right? Like it never bothered me. There was literally, if you are in the middle of a dinner rush and the manager comes to you and tells you a customer has requested that you hula hoop in the middle of the dinner rush, you have to stop what you're doing and do this, right? Okay. There's like this thing where you like sit on a bar stool, you flip it upside down and they make you sit on a bar stool. And like, like all of these types of things were just normal to me like it wasn't okay. like a degrading type of thing i wasn't raised around a father my father didn't yeah. give a shit about me so so yeah it was it was definitely a part of it that kind of built up to it um, yeah and it wasn't um let's see i had my second daughter i was in a good a long relationship with my current husband who okay. i separated from um we had a little girl. I was addicted to drugs. Story goes to that. I was sneaking around, um, okay. constantly trying to hide it. But that was when it was just pills. Um, okay. Once it got to the harder stuff, crack, mm-hmm. heroin, those types of things, it quickly became apparent that that was what I was doing. So okay. um, I was, you know, my husband is just the kind of person who has zero tolerance for that type of behavior. Okay. And he was done with me. So there was little old me in Florida. I have two uh-huh. small children. Um, yep. I'm homeless. My mother lives in Pennsylvania. Um, I have legal issues and I'm in and out uh-huh. of jail. I lost my apartment. I was doing internet webcam shows for uh-huh. the sex industry within the yeah. sex industry. Um, and it was just a really bad time. Um, I lost my apartment within four months of me starting to smoke crack, Yeah, um, lost my apartment and was homeless. And it was Man. just hell. <laughs> it happened. And the thing is, is when we get to that end part, it happens fast. It's like, you know, cause I, when, when I went back out, cause I had 12 years of sobriety and I went back out. Um, it was three, it wasn't three, four months before I was right back where I was, you know, right. back on the streets. Okay. You know, I was just, I was, you know, well, I was, I was just a male slut is what I was, you know, right. out yeah. just to sleep on, um, and not be homeless. Cause that was a huge fear of mine. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. It, it just happened so fast. So you kind of caught me off guard there. <laughs> No, it did. It it happened really quick. Um, My kids were not, my daughter was not allowed to speak to me at all. Um, She was only three or four years old at the time. So it was like a, 
um, a grieving process. I sent them yeah. with their fathers and said, I am not in any shape to be taking care of them, obviously. Okay. Um, and I was allowed to visit my son intermittently um, because he has a different father. All right. But father I was not allowed to see. Yeah, but second father, he was a lot more stringent. So. Yes. Um, so he... Um, that was rough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was a lot of, that was a lot of um, grieving, right? But it's what saved my life. The, the fact that I was grieving my daughter like she was mm-hmm. dead was because I was choosing to do drugs over take care of my children. And yep. that was something I had to become. Sorry, I have to grab a charger. You Uh-oh. take your time. Yikes. I might have to run upstairs here. Okay, that's not a problem. Hey, folks, we are going to take a a short break. You won't even notice. We will be right back. And we are back, and we have a charging cord. Woohoo! Means we can continue. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Where? So where were we at? We had just um um you were grieving for your daughter. Homeless in Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Um. So that got rough quickly, right? Um, There were days where (laughs) it got to a point to where I literally had no shoes, um, Mm -hmm. no no nothing. Um, I was constantly in canals. In Florida, there are, you know, bodies of water everywhere. So I was always in canals or dipping my head in pools. You know, being homeless in Florida is very difficult with the heat. Uh Uh-huh. And all of the things. So, um, yeah, it got to a point to where it was really bad. Um, I spent eight months doing all of that. Okay. Uh, constantly crying about my kids being mm-hmm. that, being that, that person right at the party yeah. that's always crying about their kids and grieving mm-hmm. your children. And, but, um, yeah, so I, I called my husband at some point. Um, I was starving. Like, um, there's something, when you you think about being homeless, you think that you can just mm-hmm. sleep on benches, right? <laughs> Not possible. No, doesn't um, work that way. When you're homeless, you can stand outside the back of a restaurant and they'll just give you food. And But that's not how it goes, right? Nope. They're digging through trash cans in the middle of the night because I had so much pride and people, you know, eating chicken, like something like I'm like the pickiest eater in the world, <laughs> eating chicken that sat in a dumpster all day. Yeah. You know, like, like t- stuff like that. That is what's being homeless is it's trying to find, you know, um, there is no park benches that you can yeah. see because they will come well, and tell you. you know, and your day is literally mandated by other people's time. When it's lunchtime, you don't get to choose that. They think that you're free to do whatever you want. And that is so far from the truth. The thing is, you spend all your time trying to figure that out, that you can't get to what's important, like finding a job or having an address. Oh, I know. I know the difficulties. Yeah. Shoes. um, Yeah. My feet were so... um, There were points where I was really messed up on... Um, there was bath salts that I thought I was doing meth, um, but I was doing bath salts. So I was really like completely and totally out of my mind. Yeah. Um, Jumping in canals with like 
So like I got in a fight one night and ran away from a gas station, jumped in the canal and underneath a dock in Southwest Florida. Yeah. Like I remember my feet like sinking and like the mud, the ground was like, it wasn't solid at all. And like the police were like looking for me with their flashlights all over the water. Like who knows if there was a gator sitting next to me. Like, yeah. Or if you were going to get stuck <laughs> or get stuck or pulled under. <laughs> but yeah. So, so but, but there's out. that, but there's that cloak of, of invincibility again that you're talking about. Yeah. Climbing out of one of the canals at one point, I gashed my foot on a barnacle that was on the wall. Yeah, it was really, really bad. Um, and of course there was no proper treatment for this. Yeah. And there was a night this night um, when I had jumped in the canal and then okay. it was gashed. Um, I wrote a story about this that um, it's called sleeping under the bridge. Um, okay. But um, I was at, I climbed out from underneath the, the, the dock um, after a couple hours and I assumed all the police were gone. Um, and by then I was soaking wet. I had a wife beater on um, and no shoes. I walked over, mind you, this is Southwest Florida. This is nice. There's a lot of shitty areas, but it's mm-hmm. usually, you know, mansions on the water and like, there's a lot of wealthy people there. Okay. So uh, I went to a gas station and was just basically, you know, you get to this point to where like you need help from another human, but you just won't ask for it. Yep. So I, you know, kind of locked eyes with this, this man, Um, and he walked over to me, asked me if I was okay. Um, and I told him no, and that I was hungry. And I remember how hard that was even in that moment. Um, so we left the gas station and walked down the street. Um, it's all kind of cloudy and foggy, but we get back to his place, his girlfriend or whoever, some woman was there. I don't know who she was. Okay. Um, met us and she immediately, she worked at the hospital, so she helped me with my wounds. Wow. Um, yeah. She gave me some clean clothes. They let me shower. Mm-hmm. She gave me a sandwich and some food. Um, and it was just such an incredible moment because yeah. what what a huge act of kindness, right? Yeah, you're being treated like a human being. Right. For the first time in a in while. In a long time. Yeah. And it was, it was, it was extremely um, moving in a lot of different ways. I have no idea who they are, never have been able to find them. I've tried to locate them. Um, But yeah, it was just life-changing, right? So those incredible humans were just the first of many who were just absolutely amazing. You know, there were people that would just hand you a bottle of water and it was like life-saving and they didn't, think anything of it but like to me that was like i'm like this homeless junkie that everyone thinks they're gonna like sit on my chair and get an std like (laughs) (laughs) you know but but there were those people who were just so kind and yeah uh, so it kind of always stuck with me when i got clean all of those okay all of the things that they did i got clean on my own um i moved up here um and I did all of the, 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 the things that I needed to do to detox. Uh-huh. I did all of it at home by myself. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So then 
I mean, obviously my mom is here and she's helped me. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't go to the hospital or detox. I get you. You detox at home. Yeah. But yeah, so that was it. I, I found, um, I was at home and didn't have a babysitter, didn't have any way to get to meetings. I knew I needed some kind of recovery, but in my mind, recovery was just what I'd seen in the movies. Right. Sure. Yeah. That recovery rhetoric saying you need to go to meetings, you need to go to treatment, you need all of these things. Mm-hmm. I was thinking my head pretty heavily. Okay. Um, but uh, I found a different way to do it. I did it how I could. Okay. And I went online and I started finding resources. And if I couldn't find them, I built them. <laughs> um, so that was wow. pretty much pretty much the end of my addiction and i've been clean for almost six years Whoa. Yeah, august uh, years good for you i wonder so when you were talking about those people man and, and whoever you are if you're listening i love you yeah right um <laughs> even today's daily reflection was about doing things for other people and not expecting anything in return Right. And that's exactly what they were doing. And then once those people do that for us and we start to get better, we feel the need to do that too. Mm-hmm. And that's, and you caught that. I mean, you were like, there's my key helping other people. Maybe you didn't quite realize it yet, but I saw it click Absolutely. while you were telling your story that there was, um, and if you guys, it may have scared you. Oh, you don't do this stuff on your own. Or she didn't. Okay. <laughs> So calm down. <laughs> she still did the work. All right. So here's the thing, guys. I, I love AA. I'm an aa Love it. But it's not the only way to get sober. Right. It, it is not. And I'm, I'm going to tell you, I don't care how you fucking do it. I don't care why. Well, you got to do it for yourself. I did it for my kids. I didn't love myself enough. I'm five years sober at work, man. You know. So, you know, but we we always have to have why, why? Mm-hmm. Well, quit arguing with God, you know, it, and we do that when we get into the program. Why? Why am I this? My grandkids were over this weekend and they all asked, you know, I have two of them that are in the why stage. Well, why, Grandpa? <laughs> why? And, and she turned to me, Khaleesi turns to me at one point. She goes, because you said so? I'm like, that's exactly why. Oh, girl. <laughs> so when you ask God why, it's because he said so. Yeah. All right. I don't know why you need another answer. So <laughs> that's it. So you started pulling resources to you. What was that like? That must have been pretty adventurous. Yeah, it was actually kind of stressful, right? Like I'm it was sure it was. With all of the recovery world in that early stage of my recovery when I was still vulnerable. And then all of the recovery world who was insecure in their own recovery okay. are pointing the fingers going, da, 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 da. you're doing it wrong. You're doing this wrong. You're doing that. Sure. Wrong. Yeah. I would see in comments and like people in the judgment. And cause yeah. like at first I saw this recovery world and I'm like, what a beautiful fucking thing. Like what, mm-hmm. a, what an amazing thing. Right. But then yeah. you kind of go into it and you, you see all of the the negativity and just like people telling each other how to live and like yeah. thinking that they know what they're doing better than the next person. And it's yeah. just like, yo, you guys, I don't want to be a part of any of that. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's no point to reinvent the wheel there. It's already <laughs> been invented. Now you can shape it to your own recovery, but 
I'm going to repeat that your own recovery, not other people's. Mm-hmm. Right. My Which recovery I, is different from other people's recovery because it works for me. When my recovery was the same as other people's, it was not effective. It wasn't. Yeah. Well, I was just those other people. Right. And I want to be, and I want to be me. What I did is I pulled little bits and P I didn't do anything different than you did. I just did it in AA. I pulled little bits and pieces. And I said this in my daily reflection this morning. And that's how I built my recovery for me. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. I'm working on a build your own recovery, um, recovery plan uh, type of thing. Well, right now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I tell people that recovery is like a big, it's a big puzzle where every piece fits together. So wherever you want that piece is where you put it. And yeah. then when your picture's done, that's what it, that's what it'll look like for you. Good it's, for you. I love people that do initiative yeah. like that. You should. And I think it's amazing. You said that, that you pull it. Um, because so many people go into these programs and that's a big thing that I'm focusing on. So many people go into these programs and instead of interpreting the words for themselves and making the meanings be their own, they're taking this person's meaning and making it theirs. Yeah. And then there's, you're doing it wrong. You're mm-hmm. doing this wrong. You should have done that. You should have done this. Da, 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 da. Yeah. Go into a program. It's wonderful. AA is a wonderful program that has saved mm. millions of people. It's got a lot of jackasses running around. Sure it does. Assuming, you know, acting like they represent AA, which to people that are not in the recovery community don't understand. They were, and yeah, they don't, they don't understand it. They think it's the program, right? Yeah. It becomes the program's fault, but it's not. It's no. always the people. So. It is the people. Yeah. Yeah. There I've I've been I've been to thousands of AA meetings. I've met hundreds of thousands of people in this program. All right. Just because you're in recovery doesn't mean I trust you. Right. It doesn't mean, you know, I can I can certainly hand respect. That's not a problem at all. Um, but you know, yeah, you gotta get to know people first. Um, and don't lose, you know, I hear that I've been hearing that a lot lately. I don't want to lose my identity by getting caught up in a group and you cannot blame them for that. Our identities as people, it's always being taken away from us. I mean, just in, just in life in general, you know, well, Dion, you're, you're white male. So you're obviously you're a racist. Well, I you know, that, so people go to extreme. Maybe that was a little extreme. No, it's uh, true. It's true that people will do that. Right. Because they will tell you, I've seen people in recovery meetings be like, don't think about anything. You're all of your thoughts are addict thoughts. They're worthless. And you're like, what? Mm-hmm. Did you just tell them you poisonous? <laughs> like what in the hell? We need to think for ourselves. We yeah. have to think for ourselves. Well, God, God did give us brains to use for a reason. Um, and, um, I think what we're talking about here is being returned to sanity and we do return from sanity. We do recover. Absolutely. Um, I'm never going to be able to safely put alcohol or drugs in my body again, but I don't want to. Right. I'm done done with that. Um, Mm -hmm. my life now is about figuring out just how to be a better person every day. And that takes a lot of, uh, that takes a lot of discovery work for myself mm-hmm. and if i'm following other people's programs i'm never gonna find that i think your best bet is go get a therapist i don't yeah. care who you are go get a therapist that'll help you with your individuality 
And you don't even, you know, like therapists nowadays, like, uh, so like that is something we do when in pain to purpose, we try to bridge the gap, right? If somebody is a veteran who's misty uh-huh. and he was in Kosovo, um, back in 99, when there was a genocide, you know, this uh-huh. is, obviously I am not going to be able to help this person in their recovery as far as my recovery. Yep. So what I can do though, is bridge the gap. I can be the third party to the VA. I can make sure that they're making these calls to the crisis center. If they're advocating love it. or love it. stuff like you that, know, Amanda, are, are you sure you're not like a second cousin or something? Because I literally <laughs> in my program have something called bridge the gap. Except mine has to do with that gap between detox and treatment. Yeah. That two weeks they got to wait or that month. That was my thing. I I don't do any of that anymore. That was a while ago. But it's just amazing that, you know, there's a person on the other side of the world that's (laughs) totally different from me. Actually, our story is so close. I got kicked out of my school district too. Expelled. Goodbye. You know. (laughs) Um, yeah. we're going to suspend you for not attending school. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> now I don't it's have to worry about hiding it. Um, <laughs> they made it so easy for you. But I just, it's so neat that there's people, and this happens to me all the time, that have that same thought process. Right. You know, somebody comes along, I do want to help this person, but I'm not the fit. How does that happen? Because I'm being honest with myself. Because I don't want any credit. Yeah, absolutely. Because all I want is this person to have a chance. Absolutely. Let's give some people some information on how they can get a hold of you. Uh, I am all over social media. I I am separated from my husband. And I have, um, prior to that, I have had nothing. So all of this stuff is... um, it's I have three children. They are my reasons why. And I am trying to build an empire for them that they can grow up and give their hearts out and kind of have this abundant type of giving lifestyle. Um, and that's that's going to be the legacy that I leave to them. So wow, that is so cool. Mm-hmm. Well, we're breaking generational uh, generational addictions. And I. I want to cry because it's relieving. Isn't it? It's awesome. You know how cool it is to like, like to know, right? Like if I'm talking to somebody or, you know, and, and such, such a common thing that people say is what's wrong with me and nothing's yeah. wrong with you. There's never anything wrong with you when yeah. you're in this, when you're in the pain, when you're in it head deep, there's nothing wrong with you. That's your time. That's your strengthening. That's mm-hmm. your period of strengthening and there's going to be tremendous growth so keep pushing through absolutely wow all right and i'm going to you know when we post this out i'm going to be putting up your website and things like that um and amanda if you ever want to come back and uh um, pick a topic anything like that you are always welcome back to trudging together um and of course anything that we can do to help you we will do that's that's what we do over here. We help other people with their passions. So, um, you know, if there's something that we can do to help you build that empire uh, for your kids, I'd be happy to do it because all that's going to do is make it better for everyone. <laughs> yeah. Yep, we have um, 
pain to purpose. And then we were talking earlier and then it's purpose to passion. I have yeah. a, I launched a digital marketing agency for nonprofit organizations um, and people I doing you. work yeah. like yourself. So mm-hmm. absolutely, man. Good for you, Amanda. Yeah. What a, what a great turnaround. What a, what a fantastic turnaround. Um, do you have any parting words of wisdom for the audience? You guys keep keep going on on these meetings. Keep coming and seeing Dion. Uh, Dion, I would love to have you on my show at some point. Absolutely. Kind of throw some topics around and give the recovery world something to talk about for a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you know, and that's that's what I like about this is we come on and we talk about topics that uh, um, people are scared to talk about. Let's just say what it, call it what it is. Um, people are scared and and some to, and and for legitimate reasons too okay yeah. so a lot of people are in positions where if they tell you what's going on they could lose their job their livelihood That's and the yeah and i'm not in that position so i can open my mouth and right. speak for those people and that's what we do uh, we have a silent majority that speaks a lot without saying anything good um so Everybody, thank you so much for being here. This is that's what I love doing this because it's always something new for me. Um, I'm always learning. I'm always meeting new people. But I would have to say that the most amazing thing was listening to the story and how close it was to mine. Hmm. Um, it's the same feelings. It's the you know um, the same actions, um, and that's. It, and that's why it's important that we tell our stories, because what that does, it makes me feel less lonely. Right. It makes me feel like I can do this. And, uh, and that's why I like telling my story, because then people are like, well, if that, if that guy can do it, shit. Okay. <laughs> I look like a Simpsons character when I walk in. <laughs> <laughs> I look like a bad, a bad TikTok or something, man. <laughs> so... Um, Amanda, thank you again for taking your time with us today. I appreciate it. I appreciate it, brother. It was fun. Absolutely. All right, everybody out there in uh, podcast land, this is Dion. I'm signing off. You know I love you guys. Peace out and have a day.